Hey, this is Eric Summers Urea, and I am Ben's guest this week on Big Fat Five. What is up? Welcome back to Big Fat Five, a podcast financially supported by Big Fat Snare Drum. This week's guest is Eric Summers Urea, a Chicago-based drummer, educator, and producer who I very much admire both on and off the kit. His main project is a band called Marina City, but he's just a working drummer and plays a lot around town and the country. He's been a big fat snare drum artist for many years now, and we first actually met in person at the 2020 NAMM show in Anaheim. And when I met him, his sincerity and kindness as a person matched his incredible prowess on the drums. I honestly can't say enough good things about him. Uh, I love his drumming, I love him, and this episode is long overdue. So please go check out his socials linked in the show notes. He has fun with them and you'll see what I mean. All right, please enjoy our chat about the five main influences that shaped Eric into the drummer he is today. But first, we play a little game. But uh, yeah, man, I'm good to go. So okay. you'll, I'll turn my podcast voice on. But no, it's 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 good because a lot of these conversations are a conversation between two strangers. I would say a majority of the time, when people are listening to this this podcast, it's I've I've met the person for the first time maybe 15 minutes before we push record. So it's yeah. actually fun <laughs> to have a real life internet buddy turned real buddy on Woo-hoo. the show, Eric. Thanks for being on the on the podcast. Oh well, thank you for having me. I'm I'm truly honored. Ditto. I'm a, while I'm a fan of you as a person, I'm also a fan of you as a drummer. I don't want to say more so because I think you're a pretty cool guy, but you do <laughs> you do love the drums. It shows. So if anyone doesn't follow you, um, all the links will be in the show notes. But uh, your your page is just fun to follow because you have all these fun games you do and and uh, contests and kind of interaction things which we will get into in a second but oh yes um, can you talk a little bit about your upbringing um because i do know that your main gig's marina city um yes. and all that jazz but can you just talk a little bit about your upbringing and and why we're such good friends yeah so uh i i guess um i kind of grew up a huge drum nerd but a late bloomer. <laughs> so I joined a like school band in seventh grade and was like way behind everybody else. And, and I was terrible. Um, and then, uh, I got super into it in high school and did drumline and, uh, went on to study classical music in college, graduated with a degree in music performance. Um, but now I just do like rock and pop gigs, which is like my, my passion uh, what was your reasoning for doing musical performance? Like, what was your end goal with that? Um, yeah, so I my whole thing was I never wanted to have to say no to a gig. Like, mm. oh, I can't, I can't handle this. So, although like like drum set has been sort of my my core throughout my entire musical life, um, I wanted to jump into areas where I was really uncomfortable and just kind of like stretch out those areas as best I could. Mm -hmm. Um, 
which is I don't know. It was a good. It's a good and bad thing. I mean, the the great thing is like it had me in a practice room for like six hours a day for four years, which was awesome. Yeah. Um, but I definitely have not touched a marimba in probably ten years, so <laughs> there's that <laughs> aspect too. I actually have. I for people listening, it's going to be a week or two down. Um, but I actually have Matthew Pretty, who's AKA at the Bucket Boy on Instagram. He's oh, a street yeah. performer, and. Were you just saying, you know, starting off with marching or like, you know, being part of the drum line and then doing mm-hmm. drum set stuff? That's a completely different technique, right? I mean, there are some people that are amazing at drum line, but you put them behind a drum set and it's like they've never played a kit before. Did that did that hinder you going from drum line to then trying to be more of a drum set player or is that not the timeline? Well, yes and no. I would say it's not exactly the timeline. Like I started out as a drum set player, uh not very good and then i joined school band thinking i was going to be drumming along to steppenwolf tunes and you know whatever <laughs> yeah <laughs> which yeah. turned out not to be the case um what but i, I like uh i i sort of like I'm, I'm a teacher as well so i sort of find that people fall into like two camps and and generally speaking like the classical drumline side are very technical people get really like comfortable with reading sheet music but then the improvisatory side is like lacking Mm -hmm. and then if you're a drum set player first like i was uh the improvisatory side is really strong and then your reading skills are lacking now obviously Mm -hmm. this is like a general case no this is the fact always true this is yeah this is gospel truth Mm -hmm. (laughs) um so yeah I, i definitely tended to fall more on like i can improvise but my reading is subpar at best <laughs> i mean i guess nowadays reading isn't as important maybe at least in the circles i go through yeah. um in in the path i've chosen but that's also it's nothing orchestral so i guess i'm kind of i need to stop talking because it's probably very important <laughs> yeah. i'm sure in a lot of circles well it feels interesting to me because like i feel like uh composers haven't known how to write for a drum set for like decades Mm -hmm. and they're only now starting to figure it out so i mean i don't read anymore so i'm not really speaking with a ton of gig authority on (laughs) when people hand you a sheet of music at a gig but um but at least in like past experience it was like here's a chart and uh just kind of make up whatever you want and catch the hits (laughs) That'd be funny. It's it, there's like the port authority. If there's actually like a gig authority, like before you get right, a gig, yeah. you have to, you know, turn your papers in, and they're like, "I'm sorry, you didn't make the gig." Um, <laughs> all right. Well, speaking of games, I do, and I'm I'm nervous and excited about this at the same time. So, oh, man, we're gonna play same. a little game. Can you explain what this is? Um, yeah. So I do this thing on my Instagram where every Monday I ask people to give me their most controversial drumming or music tastes with the idea of just like i just kind of want to stir the pot a little bit <laughs> and be yeah. a little bit a little bit on the edge um and just see what what wild things people will admit to me in <laughs> sort of the private instagram questionnaire yeah. and i always get some some wild answers so i saved a few from this week so we could talk about them together. <laughs> yeah, and the reason why I like it so much is because you come across, and I think I told you this when we were hanging out in person a few weeks ago, like your answers are always what I think are the right answers. You know, like you come across as such a, 
like an even keeled dude and so it's why i'm nervous that i'm gonna disagree with you for some like this is the one time i'm gonna disagree with you and it's gonna be this whole blowout fight right yeah or i'm nervous that we're gonna like get canceled for our drumming hot takes <laughs> or we're gonna agree and it's gonna be the most boring thing in the world there's true. many different so true yeah now i kind of hope we do get canceled well should shall we should we dive into some of these let's just yeah. go and should the okay. rule be, because I know you kind of keep it, sometimes you extend it into two videos, but it should yeah. be kind of a quick, you know. Quick quick answer. Quick, quick answer. answer. All right, yeah. yes. And yeah. by the way, before we do this, how often do you try and do it stream of consciousness? Like you read it and go, okay, I'm, I'm going to record it right now. Or do you sit here and like, actually, I need to formulate a good answer that Ben will like? Uh, no, I definitely, it's definitely stream of consciousness. <laughs> so sometimes okay. I'll like stumble or like run out of time. So I'll retake it, but yeah, right. it's usually off the cuff. So are, am I just saying these and then you're going, is that how yeah, we're th- doing this? I think we should do that. And just so everyone knows you were like, I'll send you the answers before. And I was like, no, I want, I want literally to be like, oh shit, I haven't thought of that. Or, you know, I want to be caught off. guard. Right. So let's okay. go. All right. And how about. I'll go first, and then you go. We'll we'll go back and forth. The first one, I'll say something first, and then you do it. Then vice versa. We'll st- we'll start off with a tough one. This Jesus. guy says, "Jazz trained musicians greater than any other type of musician." Who? Uh, it's all uh, no. I don't deal in absolutes, so I'll say that. I'll say no. Um, but they are way better at certain things, one thousand percent. But I would say, technique to be a really good jazz player will not always translate into being a really good rock drummer. You know, kind of like what we were talking about with the with the drum line versus drum set. It's just like you got to kind of pick an avenue and you you can't just be a great drummer. You can, but for the most part it's like you do have a little bit of things that atrophy over time if you don't, spe- you know, mm-hmm. work on that. So yeah. I would say in certain ways, obviously, but as a blanket statement, no. Yeah. I I I totally agree. Uh I would also say no. My sort of philosophy on this sort of thing is that uh, music is a language and we sort of understand what we grew up speaking. So, like, I've listened to rock and pop music my entire life. It's what I listen to in my free time. So I understand that music very on, like, an organic level. Where, like, jazz, I don't listen to a ton of jazz, so Mm -hmm. it's a little bit foreign to me. Yeah. Where if perhaps you grew up listening to exclusively jazz... Uh, it becomes a little bit more accessible and a little bit easier to process or maybe genres of rock will be a little bit foreign. So like a sure. good example would be like like Afro-Cuban. Like when people grow up listening to Afro-Cuban, they're just like monster Afro-Cuban players. And, you know, maybe maybe rock is a little bit more confusing in terms of the rules. So Yeah, maybe they wouldn't be the best drummer for Appetite for Destruction. You know, exactly. and, that's, and that is just okay. That's exactly. Fine. Yes. Yes. Look at us. I still like you. Look at this. Yeah. Well, yeah. We're doing good. We're doing good. Doing great. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Now you uh, go first this next time. Okay. All right. This one is DW hardware is unmatched, but their drums sound the same and generic to my ear, which mm. is a, that's a spicy take. That's a spicy say. take. Yes. <laughs> um, I'm, I'm going to disagree with this one too. I think that, uh, DW drums sound awesome. I sort of like, I'm, I guess I'm personally ignorant to like the different types of wood and mm. what they sound like. Like if someone played a maple kit 
and then a birch kit, I wouldn't be like, this one's maple and this one's birch. Yeah. But I do feel like I have a more sort of organic understanding of like what different drum brands sound like. Mm-hmm. Like I feel like Ludwig and Gretsch have a certain like open vintage quality where DWs generally are more like punchy and attacky and aggressive maybe. Yeah. So that's sort of like where I stand on this. Yeah, I would say DW bass drums have the most tone because I do a lot of backline kits with the Ooh. bands I play with that whenever I get a DW bass drum, it's always just so it's got such a vibe and a deep like presence to it that I, I will say I like DW bass drums a lot. And when it comes to the hardware, I get what they're saying. I also mm-hmm. grew up with the Travis Barker, you know, like he it's all DW and I think a lot of people that say that have just only really played the 9000 hardware and they're just like, this is the best in the business. And they haven't actually, if you talk to a lot of them, they haven't actually been on the road with, with Yamaha hardware or mm-hmm. the new Tama hardware, which right. is honestly, maybe 15 years ago, DW was the obvious choice of like, it's you, it, it stays, you know, it's got the most road worthiness, but I don't know. There's a lot of good hardware out there right now, especially the two I just mentioned. And actually, my drum set is is still on. The two bands I was on are using the same bus between tours, so I left my kit on the bus so I didn't have to like ship it out. So my drum set is not with me right now. But last week before I had headed to to New York, I wanted to play drums, and the only thing I didn't have extra was uh, was a bass drum pedal. So I just ordered off Amazon like same day the Ludwig Atlas. Uh, like oh, it's a yeah. hun- the hundred dollar bass drum pedal, right? To be honest, it is beefy. It felt so good. I mean, granted, I've only played it for like three days, but I, yeah, I'm like maybe the nine thousand isn't the thing I should just automatically get <laughs> when this thing breaks. So right? I get what they're saying because I also kind of I also mostly play DW hardware if I'm being fully transparent for that reason. Right. But um, but Chris from from Big Fat plays Gibraltar, mm-hmm. um. That stuff is awesome too. It's sturdy as hell. So yeah, yeah. It's yeah. sort of a hodgepodge of both. So I feel yeah. that on the hardware side. I'm not. I'm not the biggest fan aesthetically of the lugs on DWs. So I that's agree why I don't. As well, yeah. I just it doesn't do it for me. But it's also yeah. like I like orange. Some people might hate the color orange. So that's fine. All right. More. More. Yes. Let's go. Here Keep we going. go. Keep we're, going. We're, we're okay. We're going in. Okay. Match grip is better than traditional grip. No, no, no. Uh, it it makes me play like a different player though. I'll keep this a lot a lot uh, shorter. Um, match grip, you have a lot more power for me in my left hand, mm-hmm. but sometimes I'll literally play traditional because it makes me play different. Like if I want to play softer, I want to play more like Levon Helm, and it's a softer tune. I'll just you know turn my 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 left hand around. A because um, it makes me play different. Also, I'm not good with it, so it makes me play less. I can't do all those stupid ghost notes that, like, when I listen back, I'm like, dude, you're doing two and four, and then, like, finding some some way to add in 5,000 notes every measure on the left hand. So traditional, because I'm worse at it, I think works better for me a lot of the time. Interesting. I actually have the same experience where traditional makes me play different. Mm-hmm. I don't play a lot of jazz. I'm not a real jazz player. <laughs> Again, I don't really speak the language authentically. Yeah. But when I do play jazz, I do feel like traditional for some reason. Like I can speak a little bit better uh, in the vocabulary. But I, as far as like 
what you can achieve matched versus traditional doesn't matter. You can you can play the same things on matched as you can traditional. I mean, look at like like Todd Zuckerman, incredible yeah. power, just yep. monster player, traditional. Uh Carl Palmer, monster player, traditional. Mm-hmm. Like they exist. They're few and far between, but doesn't Stuart Copeland play traditional sometimes as well? He does, yeah. 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 I will say there's that one video, and this is Buddy Rich saying the exact opposite of what I'm saying, which is that traditional is better. But he does make a good <laughs> point. I'm sure every drummer's watched this video of, of Buddy. He's in, like, a bad mood. He's just, like, screw matched. But he right. does make a good point on, like, the ergonomically you can get to the floor toms easier. You don't have to rotate your yeah. body as much, which there is something to be said about. Sometimes you can reach things if your kit goes far further to your right or if you're left-handed to your left, whatever. Um, so, yeah, there's good and bad of both. I knew we yeah. were just going to agree with everything because we're such similar people. But uh, <laughs> no, This is true. This is true. <laughs> but still, this is good. This is good. All right. The, these, are, these are the ones that always come in. Mm-hmm. I always get it's either this one or uh, the other one is I get about Lars. So oh, this person okay. says... Beatles are trash, which is a super spicy take. <laughs> yeah, well, you, so, you, I think it's uh, you're up first. Oh, I see. You're you're dodging it and then forcing this on me. That's yep. <laughs> well, okay, I, so, I I think people that know the podcast know my answer to this. So yeah, yeah, no, for sure. So this is this is this is like a pet peeve of mine. I really don't like when people say a specific band or artist is terrible or garbage. Mm. And I think like we as musicians need to more adopt the phrase, this is not for me. So I will be the first to say that for whatever reason, the Beatles don't resonate with me that much, which Mm. is a me problem. Don't come at me, please. (laughs) Um, I but I totally will recognize their influence and I will never say they're terrible musicians. I saw Paul McCartney at Lollapalooza a few years ago and it was like transcendent. Top five concerts of my entire life. Great. Hands down. But for whatever reason, I don't generally listen to the Beatles in my free time, though I've tried. <laughs> yeah. Um but yeah, to say like anybody is is garbage is like not the move, not the vibe. Yeah, I don't think there's any band that, and I, I don't listen to a lot of contemporary country music, um, mm-hmm. but there's some great melodies in that. The drums sound massive in some of those songs. They're so yeah. fun to play along to. But yeah, I don't actively turn on country, but I don't think there's any band out here in the world, out here, I'm not sure where you are, but um, in the <laughs> world at large that I would say is trash. It's like anyone, and this is going to be like me being like old, you know, Mr. Rogers about it, but like anyone trying and putting something out, there's an element that you can take away that would improve what you're doing, whether you know it or not. You know what I mean? And of course, with, with, with Ringo, whether you like it or not, he, I mean, he was the songwriter's drummer 101, like how you can make some of those songs. If you just, if you take the drums away, I guarantee you no one would be able to think of the parts he thought of, you know, like it's just, mm-hmm. they're so, they're so ingrained in us right now, but some of that stuff he thought of is so out there and so weird. And what I would say was wrong in, 
in real time, I'd be like, oh, this is going to sound dumb if I do this. Mm-hmm. But he just did it and he did it with conviction. And now it's like there's no other part that would work for that song. So while I see what you're saying, totally. to be to be honest, I don't listen to the Rolling Stones that much. And I love Charlie right. Watts. I think yeah. he's a great drummer. He's got I, and I love Keith. I love Mick. I love all that stuff. But and I will also say huge Ringo fan. Yeah. But just the Beatles. I don't know why. But yeah, no, it's and I think there, there's that's just like a, an inherent thing in everybody. Nobody listens to everything, right? So, well, I'm embarrassed to say that Prince is not for me. Ooh. I've tried. I know oh. I've tried so many times. I'm not sure, and I've kind of dissected it in the podcast. I'm not sure if it's maybe the sounds he used were uh, mm-hmm. to, in my little brain uh, dated, and so it's hard for me. But then, in like five years, I'll like love those drum sounds. So it's just, I don't know. But it, I would never say Prince is trash. That. That guitar solo he did for the for the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame mm-hmm. for the I think the George Harrison tribute probably one of the greatest performances of all time and uh, in any Couldn't sort of agree more yeah you know live performance whether it's music or not um, but yeah uh, I think I, I have I have one more let's do it learning to play hi hats and hit them correctly slash with good dynamics is the most game changing aspect of playing drums uh. Oh my gosh, it's it's the wording of it that stresses me out because I don't yes. deal in absolutes. So it's yes. like, is the most game changing? I'll just say no, because um, nothing is the most. Mm-hmm. Um, but I will say, I mean, the sentiment, hundred percent agree with. I think the hi hat is most of a drummer's personality, besides like creative stuff they can do. When it just comes to the dynamics and the natural, like you're in the room with them, how does that drummer sound? So much of their playing is apparent in the hi hat. Um, yeah, there's so much finesse, um, and I can tell a lot about a drummer with how they play the hi hat. So I would say, yeah, being aware of that. And so many players, they think of grooves and they think of bass drum syncopation and like ghost notes in the snare, but having a good dynamic focused hi-hat technique um and awareness when you're playing is i would say one of the most underlooked thing things mm-hmm. a player can do so i would say for the most part 85 percent of it a, a solid b i agree with that statement yeah no i'm at the same level i think people generally overlook the complexity in hi-hat playing uh like personally i'm a huge fan of when people throwing those little like left foot stomps instead mm. of actually like the stick hit which yeah. is actually gonna pop up in some of my choices later perfect um or like J- jason mcgurr is like one of the kings of that kind of thing where it's just super tasteful really creative hi-hat work or 50 yep. ways to leave your lover has that yep. stomp in there too um so yeah I, super overlooked the most game-changing part maybe not but certainly very overlooked yeah, it's it's definitely it's it's contextual. There are some bands where all I want is like like battles. I just want that hi hat to be up almost like above your head, and I just yeah. want that to be just a constant, just chink chink chink. And I don't want to hear any finesse. Not that you know, John doesn't have finesse. He's an amazing drummer, but uh, I know what you mean. Yeah, yes. yeah. Now I regret calling you, him you, out, but I'm saying I just want you just need someone the brutality. to wail. Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, I saw them once, and I remember. Um, the snare drum he was using it literally said sir on it which means he was renting it mm-hmm. and i was just like dude that snare drum 
to personify the snare drum. When it got the call today, like, hey, Hank, you're going to be going to John. I just, it's like, damn it, dude. I just got a massage. Um, it's like a yeah. whole Toy Story scenario with yeah. the snare drums. Yeah. Dude, that way, Disney should make an SIR story. Oh, my yeah. God. I like that. That's perfect. We'll, we'll present our Pixar pitch. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, my God. I'd watch that. Um, all right. So. Let's hop into your top five. I like I said, I knew we were just going to agree with everything, but it's. Yeah. I think some of that stuff is is um, is saucy, but also maybe people do need to hear that, or just they're thinking it, but they're like, "Is this true or not?" But you have two. I mean, we're the we're two of the best drummers in the world. So now that we've said it, yeah. it's it definitely is Bible. We're the we're the ultimate authority. We the are the port gig authority. The gig, the gig port authority. <laughs> hey y'all! I wanted to. <laughs> I can't say. I wanted to talk to you about a drum I've recently received from Preston at Vessel Drum Co. It's an ocean patinaed 14 by five and a half snare drum, and it's incredible. It's got a 1.5 millimeter shell, brass shell, with 10 lugs, chrome over brass, triple flange hoops, a trick uh, three position strainer, 42 strand wires. It's lovely, it's loud, and it cuts and records as beautiful as a piece of butter cake. And, and Preston, actually, this is why it's called the Ocean Patina, is he covers the shell with seaweed and then drops it in the ocean for a certain period of time. And then it patinas with all these crazy cool designs. And if you all remember, Preston was actually one of the first guests on the podcast. When I first started out, I didn't really know what the Big Fat Five format was going to be or if it was going to be even Big Fat Five at all. But I went to his garage, his, his, you know, where he makes all of his drums. It was really cool. He walked me through the episode is essentially from start to finish what happens with a drum. And it was, it was a really fun episode. It's now archived at bigfatsnaredrum.com just because it doesn't fit the format of Big Fat Five. I want you to get back to the show, but go check it out. This drum is beautiful. And he actually let me use it on an Eve 6 tour and I didn't keep it and I regretted it ever since then just because I was trying to pinch pennies at the time and I just kept thinking about it and so the opportunity to get it again was presented and it is one of my favorite drums so the ocean patinaed 14 by five and a half snare drum check it out reach out to me go to vessel drum co the instagram's just at vessel drum co and check it out it's amazing it's beautiful sounds great bye all right so the first one is uh is a video god you can you can hear i'm in new york city Ooh. if i haven't mentioned that there's just ambulances and people running around all day um so i apologize but uh i'll try and mute me for the most part when i'm not talking but all right so the first one is a video it's the drum corpse international 2004 finals you said question mark <laughs> y- yes uh, so there there used to be an album i used to have the album oh but, okay uh, it is no longer on Spotify, or it's not on Spotify, or whatever. But okay, well, oddly enough, the 2004 it was recorded, it was released in 2004, um, and the artist is the Cavaliers. Uh, it's the Cavaliers drumline. So, which which college is this? So, so what Drum Corps International is? It's it's an, sort of an independent organization, um, and uh, they call it Marching Music Major Leagues. So, uh, if you think about it as like it's mostly like college aged players and mm-hmm. they audition for these groups all around the country and in some cases all around the world. 
and it's like top level players and then they go on tour for the whole summer and like compete around the country so it's like a super intense program it's incredibly nerdy so i'm starting this off like in super nerd uh territory um but it's it's really impressive and it's like the first time i saw it it absolutely blew my mind Mm -hmm. so this example the cavaliers are a group based in rosemont illinois so they're sort of like the hometown heroes from where i'm from and around 2004 they were like winning the championship of like this drum corps international group every like every year or every couple years um so they were really really good um and i remember so i was a freshman in college or a freshman in high school sorry uh and my parents really forced me to do drumline sort of against my will oh they forced Uh, you okay yeah yeah so i was not about it i was actually thinking about quitting band in general but my parents why just uh you know it was i was having a hard time because i joined in and i was super behind uh i was really into drawing so i was thinking about maybe doing art instead of band um but my parents thankfully really pushed me to stick with band so listen to your parents kids (laughs) hell yeah um and focus on the uh, hi-hat yeah and focus on the hi-hat like my parents always said (laughs) yeah um but uh but yeah so i remember being a freshman in college and like over the summer there are these drum corps competitions all over the country and there's one right down the street from my high school so the whole band took this trip to go see it live and the cavaliers were there Again, Hometown Heroes. And they played this show, uh, which was a 007 James Bond theme. So very accessible to young freshmen in high school, me. Uh, And it just blew me away. Like the video, it won't translate how loud and insane it is in person. Mm -hmm. Because it's just what a drum corps is, is it's just the drum line. There's a front ensemble of like mallet instruments, so marimba, vibraphone, uh, there's timpani in there, and then like a hundred plus uh, bugles. So it's all like brass instruments, so trumpets and contra, bass, and it's just the loudest thing, blow your hair back. <laughs> um, and coming from like a classical, you know, junior high program, seeing this was like seeing Led Zeppelin in classical music form and it just it blew me away and I'll put the video in the show notes for everyone to watch because it's also obviously very stimulating to watch Yeah, so there's there's a ton going on in a drumline. It's it consists of three different instruments. So you have bass drums, which are five people playing different pitch bass drums, and you have a snare line of like nine snare drum players, and then you have the quad line, which are like toms basically, which is what yeah. I did. Uh, and then you just have like these epic. They're just like throwing down crazy notes. This is the drum break here.
Did this performance win this for them? Uh, I believe they won this year. I know they won the year before this, but if they didn't win this year, they got like second or third. Um, yeah, it's very intense, highly competitive, and like, you know, it's it sort of like really opened my eyes to like the athleticism of playing drums at a super young age. Because I was going into playing drums as like super basic. And then seeing this, I was like, wow, uh, possibilities are, like, endless. Yeah. <laughs> Jeez. Well, it's so, also like, if you're watching it, they're, like, they're they're dancing around the whole field. It's not like they just have yeah. to, I, I would be, like, on, a, on my chair alone in my practice room, like, messing that up. And then, like, they right. have to be dancing and holding on to this thing. I mean, dancing. They're doing, you know, like formation right. stuff. Yeah. Oh yeah, they're 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 literally running <laughs> in in a lot of this stuff and playing some of the hardest things that you can physically play. And especially like if you watch, if you go to like a drum corps show now, it's even more like more uh, rocked out, so to speak. Like mm-hmm. they have crazy costumes and it's even louder. And they started adding electronics and all these other crazy elements and massive props it's it's like a whole super wild spectacle but yeah i mean like i said it's it's the athleticism of playing all of these incredibly technical parts and then running around the field at the same time you know hitting all your marks to create these formations and and playing absolutely perfectly in sync with the 12 other people in the Mm -hmm. drum line uh as well as the rest of the band it just sort of it like totally blew my mind um, and changed my approach to drumming like forever. <laughs> Did you try and get a scholarship or anything via drumline? Uh, yeah. So I, I actually auditioned for this group of a few times and I never, I never made it, but oh. <laughs> I got close a couple of times uh, I will say, but honestly, like by the time I was probably good enough to make it, uh, I, I don't think, it would have been the right move for me. Mm. Uh, so by, it was like around my junior, senior year of college, uh, I stopped auditioning because I was just like, I, I would rather focus on drum set stuff. Um, because funny enough, like you, like we were talking about earlier, drumline was super great and super formative for me and my playing, but it can be a, a, a bit of a rabbit hole that people go down and that becomes like their lane and, it was not destined to be in my lane. It's still something I do from now, now and then, and I teach a high school drum line, and it's a blast. But, but yeah, I guess that this maybe could have been one of the questions. Um, and I'm curious from a, te- a teacher's perspective, from your perspective, if a student does want to double down on a certain aspect um, mm-hmm. of drumming, whether it be drum line, they're like, this is the, my, the path I want to go, or I want to just do jazz. How is a teacher, or um, I'm trying to think of the best way to say this, and I I, I want to shy away from saying the word atrophy because that's a negative connotation, mm-hmm. but is it okay or do you feel it's okay to allow potential avenues to atrophy in order to like allow yourself to pursue one direction? Or as a teacher where you're like, I know, but you still should always keep yourself a little bit watered in the other areas, or what's your view on that? Um... You know, it's it's tricky because I think if if a student has a vision of what they want to do, 
like I don't think it's anyone's place to get in the way of that. Uh, but at the same time, like if I have someone who's being particularly stubborn, like a lot of times I'll get students who are stubborn about learning quote unquote basic pop tunes. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, look, uh, there's only going to be like four Mike Portnoy's <laughs> at any given time, you know? Yeah. <laughs> um, or I mean, technically one, but, but you know what I mean? There's only going to be so many. Eric, there's only one. Yeah, true. There's only one. Uh, but there's only going to be so many like virtuosic drummers. Uh, and I'm not trying to stifle that for anybody, but I think it's important to like recognize that developing like a simple groove is great or, mm-hmm. uh, going in other areas is, is important. Like I, I definitely will push jazz on a lot of students who get like super metal focused where I'm like, we're going to learn a different level of coordination where, mm-hmm. uh, it's how your left hand and right foot talk to each other rather than just learning how to play double bass as fast as you can. So yeah. there's a billion different avenues to go. Um, yeah, that's great. That's great. Um, all right. So number two, and it's Quadrophenia, Quadrophenia by by The yes. Who came out in 1973. And your song choice is The Real Me around a minute and a half into the song. And it's, of course, Keith Moon. I do want to say, though, that this was also the choice of, of Mr. William Goldsmith. And but he reached out to you on Instagram and was like, this guy's awesome. And he learned one of your grooves like. How yeah. did that how did that feel, man? <laughs> that was one of the most mind-blowing things. He just like commented on one of my videos uh like a couple months ago and I was like, "William Goldsmith? Hold on a second. Yeah. This is like a fan account, right?" Yeah, and it yeah. turned out to actually be him and we've we've had like a couple Instagram exchanges and he'll like post these videos like of learning these grooves that I've I've like posted on Instagram and he like credits me for it. I'm like, "Wait, this is like one of the most legendary rock drummers of our time. And yep. he's like watching my stuff. It's only a little bit intimidating to know <laughs> that anyone can watch your videos on Instagram. Uh, all right. So here is here's the real me uh, at around a minute and a half. His phrasing is just like that little run down mm-hmm. the drums in between the bass break. Like I think Keith Moon gets this weird rap of just being like too wild, too crazy, too mobastic, but like this song in particular, I think, really showcases his level of taste and phrasing. And what I think is so fascinating about him in particular is nobody sounds like Keith Moon. Yep. Like, I can't tell you how many times people have said, sounds sounds like Bonham, you know? But no one tries to mimic Keith Moon. It's unreal. That's a great point. It was, fun, it was funny putting this list together because I realized it sort of accidentally became like a who's who of like drummers, drummers. <laughs> but 
but um but i think like you know so many people will will shout out john bonham and no disrespect to john bonham again sure. huge john bonham fan but to me like keith moon his drumming voice hit me as just something that's just so unique and so different and is totally unreplicated forever mm-hmm. like i just like i said earlier i i can't think of anyone who i would say this person sounds like keith moon this is you know his voice is just so wild and out there and it was crazy and sure you know you could say he maybe overplayed a little bit but at the same time it's like it's such a wall of sound it's so much excitement uh that really like propelled that band forward well and it's like i'm sure if if pete and 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 roger and 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 the crew didn't want him to be as busy they could have been like okay keith what dude calm down but they let him do his thing (laughs) which means that he was part of the overall statement they were trying to make and that's rad anyways but um all right so for the sake of time let's go to number three and it is it is dead wing came out in 2005 and it's porcupine tree the drummer is gavin harrison and the song is glass arm shattering around three the, the three and a half minute mark I'm actually going to switch it up. Could we start this from the beginning? I'm, no. We can't. No, I'm sorry. Dang it. I know. I, I ruined I, it. <laughs> I hate to say this, but we have... No, some, the, the beginning of the song or the beginning of the record? Uh, beginning of the song. Okay. Yeah. Here, here. Well, let, let's... While I re-cue it up... No, I'm kidding. Um, why don't we talk <laughs> about it and then, we'll, and then we'll play it from the beginning. Okay. So uh, I grew up, again, super drummer nerd. Mm-hmm drumline all the fun stuff right so like uh i got really into prog rock i went down the rush rabbit hole dream theater became one of my favorite bands of all time Mm. and then uh i heard porcupine tree and uh funny enough just a sidebar my dad would just go to record stores and just buy cds with weird band names and bring them home and show them to me and he'd be like i found this band porcupine tree so he bought this album and i played it and i was floored because uh i think at the time the sort of technicality of of dream theater and rush was starting to like uh it started to get like too overwhelming for me started to stress you out (laughs) yeah 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 you know it's a lot of just like one two three one two one two one two it's very like heady you know yeah Uh, and then porcupine trees take on like prog rock was really fascinating because it was so much about groove so this song in particular i think is gavin harrison's best drumming Mm. period i will i will die on this hill (laughs) Um, wow you know every everyone always points out yeah the groove for sound of music is great um but this i think is is some of the most tasteful playing uh i've ever heard and his like pocket is so good it just it feels like drippy and melty drums (laughs) that's like the only way i could describe it as a kid um and it just like stuck with me so uh this is like one of their slower songs but I'll, i'll let the groove speak for itself Thank you. 
God, that snare buzz. Right? And one of my favorite things is that little left foot stomp before the snare backbeat. It just, like, makes you anticipate that backbeat. Oh, yeah. Every note is just like perfectly placed. Yeah. I mean, I know you're a Sabian guy, but those Zildjian sound pretty good. I know, I know. Trying to convert me? Is that what's up? (laughs) Yeah, actually. Yeah. Does he play sonar? Yeah. Yeah. Those sound great too. And his snares, usually he runs like a 12 inch snare. Yeah, he's a smaller guy, or a smaller snare guy. And I saw him do a clinic once, and he hits harder than just about anyone I've seen. Really? Just absolutely slams his drums. Just incredibly tasteful from one of the most like technical players, I think. Um, it, just his placement of every single one of those notes, those like perfectly placed left foot hi hats before the backbeat and the open hi hats, like I, it just blew me away. And again, like it just felt like melt, like the drums were just melting. That whole groove is just kind of drips along and like i said he's just he hits incredibly hard and just all of his drums have like a quarter sized wear spot right in the center of every drum and he just like he says yeah i have to change my drums every three or change my heads every three shows like that's nuts (laughs) guys just i don't know how you play a song like that and just wail on your drums but yeah amazing all right so Number four. Album is, I'm going to butcher this, Merdinoms. I think that's what it is. Merdinoms. Um, Merdinoms. <laughs> it's Merdinoms, and a release here was 2000. It's The artist is A Perfect Circle. I pronounced that right. The song is Judith, and the drummer is Josh Freeze. No, it's Josh Freeze. All right, so the song <laughs> choice is Judith. But yeah, where were you when this uh, song came into your life, and what would you take from it? Um, so I was... I was uh I was definitely in high school and I think um 
like Porcupine Tree was sort of my segue out of like super super nerdy music mm-hmm. <laughs> and getting into things that were a little bit more accessible. Um, yeah, I guess accessible is the best word for it. So a perfect circle tended to be like a perfect segue because it wasn't as proggy and weird as like Tool is, um, but it was still like heavy and exciting and really cool. That was and their original band name, by the way. It's called a perfect segue, and they changed a perfect it to segue, and they changed it to perfect circle. I can't believe you didn't um, notice. Jeez, fake fan, fake fan. <laughs> <laughs> but I remember seeing the video. Uh, on MTV maybe and it's directed by David Fincher and it's just oh my god it's so epic and Josh Freeze is just slamming the drums and at that moment I was like I'm pretty sure that Josh Freeze is the greatest drummer of all time <laughs> and to this day he remains my personal favorite drummer because as we were just talking about dude plays for everybody I would want to play for he was Nine Inch Nails drummer, Devo, Perfect Circle, Zontor Sting, The, the Offspring, yeah. The Vandals. Uh, he did a run with Paramore. I mean, it's I mean, more I'm pretty like, sure he's on Skater Boy, too. He was on yeah. Avril Lavigne's first record. Yeah, I think he did some of the Katy Perry tunes. Like, It's it's probably easier to name the artists that he hasn't played for. <laughs> I think he did some stuff for The Replacements, like some of their newer stuff. Yeah, he did. Yeah, yeah. He, yeah, he toured with The Replacements for a long time. Um, one of these days I'll, I hope to meet him one of these days. I had a chance one time he was, the Vandals were playing a warp Tour date when I was on warp Tour and, uh, I went up to go say hi, but he was with his kid and I didn't want to bother him. So I, I wussed out, but I'm with yeah. you. There are certain, dr- I mean, I've, I've been so fortunate enough to talk to so many drummers on this podcast, Mm -hmm. but there are still some people that I would be nervous as fuck to talk to. And Josh is one of those, but um, yeah, let's just play, let's just play Judith. And then I do want to come back to warp tour for a second with you. the modulation Mm. coming up Jesus yes it's perfect does it happen again I think that's the only time he just does it that one time which is the better choice right Oh my god. His what a jerk for being like, so good. Right? And the way he like pushes and pulls that section where it just ramps up energy and then it opens up and he's playing all these huge fills and then he ramps it back up again. It's just oh my god. That that whole album is like a masterclass in like perfect drumming <laughs> in my opinion. Yeah, his his rim shots like he's so consistent. It's he doesn't play like a drum machine, but no. he plays like He's like, he has caps lock on what he's playing. <laughs> he but that's I like that caps lock. Yeah, <laughs> that's perfect. Just slamming. And you know what? This this is maybe not the most important thing, but the way that he plays, like he gets like extra style points for the sort of behind the head thing that he does when he when he does those backbeats. It's just it's epic. 
And then if you if you ever see those videos of him doing the the running man drum groove with the vandals, makes me so happy. So the warp tour, I do want to talk about that that famous video you upload all the time Uh-oh. of you. Oh man. <laughs> Dude, you, I mean, you just took the choice to do that. It didn't happen, but... <laughs> I did. Yeah, I did. so if people don't know what I'm talking about, can you describe the scene? So, all right. So my band is playing Warp Tour. Uh, this was like day two or three. Uh, and there's this section of the song where, like, there are these two giant snare hits before we go into, like, this breakdown section. Uh, so we just, like, hold out a chord before those snare hits come in. So I think it's a good idea to do like the stand on your throne stand on your drums theme like uh like aaron gillespie does (laughs) yeah uh so at this particular show i did it i go to stand on my throne and one of the floor tom legs gives out from under me and i'm standing in front of a crowd of people falling and i'm like this is the most embarrassing way to die my parents are gonna have to make up something about. <laughs> you recovered so well, and just you just laughed the whole time. And I think some guy tried to run around the stage and help you. But if anything, yeah. from an audience member's perspective, I would fall in love with your band more if that happened, because <laughs> it's well, like that's yeah. We've all we can't relate to that specific thing happening. Right. But my God, have I done that in other parts of my life more times than I care to admit? Totally. And, you know, I think, like, I upload that video all the time because I think it's important, well, for me to laugh at myself and not take myself too seriously. But I also think, like, as musicians, we shouldn't take things too seriously. Like, at the end of the day, our job is to hit things with some wooden sticks. And it's we do it because it's fun, you know? I, I can't tell you how many people like sent me weird messages after that and we're like how dare you disrespect your drums like that and it's like man we we hit our our <laughs> drums are hit with wooden sticks like that's what we do for fun and for a living and it's great and it's a blast and if you're not having fun on stage then like what are you doing you know so They're i mean thankfully yeah, they don't don't kink shame your drums dude <laughs> right exactly it's like you know, I always say like stage, the stage is one of those places where you can literally do whatever you want and it's cool, right? Yeah. You could bite the head off a bat or, you know, light your guitar on fire. You know, there's all these examples on, of throughout history of people doing absolutely insane things on stage and to to try and put rules and parameters on it is such a bummer. And Just smile. Um, Just yeah. laugh at it. Exactly. I look like a fool and then go make a yeah. banana bread. I don't, know. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. It ain't all that serious. Somehow the, I landed on my feet at that, you know, maybe it would have been a different story if I, you know, actually hurt myself, but it yes. was fine. <laughs> the question is, and then we can move on. Are you, did you retire that move or do you still do that? I, I definitely still do that. <laughs> okay. I just know now to, uh, to put those uh, lug locks on my <laughs> floor tom legs. So PSA, lug locks on your uh, <laughs> memory locks on your floor tom legs. Dude, you could get some money from that video. I'm sure some company would would pay money to be like, <laughs> do like just like do not be like this guy. Yeah, I'm on board. DW Hardware, are you listening? <laughs> Hook me up. <laughs> we'll just edit out the first part where we kind of said they weren't they weren't the best. But yeah, 
Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, whatever. You know what? High is bitter. It's fine. <laughs> and that's the name of the game right there. Um, <laughs> all right. So number five, man. Uh, keep keeping a little bit with the theme here is mm-hmm. uh, it's the album's with teeth came out in two thousand five, and the artist is Nine Inch Nails and will always be Nine Inch Nails. Uh, the yes. song choice is All the Love in the World, and yeah, I don't know this one either. Um, it's the famous record, or it's one of their more famous records, but it's mm-hmm. uh, Dave Grohl, maybe Trent Reznor. Who knows? So Yeah, so Dave Grohl's credited for percussion on this track, but I don't think he's actually... All of the aspects that I like about it, I don't think I can attribute to Dave Grohl. Not okay. that the aspects that Dave Grohl did I dislike, but... <laughs> um, but I think, like, uh, for me, Nine Inch Nails is my favorite band of all time. Um, really? Okay. And I would not say that this is my favorite song of theirs, but it is, like, the best example that I can show of, like, why I appreciate uh, Trent Reznor's songwriting and his production and his creativity. Um, I mean, it's just... It to me, Nine Inch Nails sounds like if you took like a pop record, pop production, and you buried it in the ground for like fifty years and then dug it back up, it would sound like Nine Inch Nails. It's all patina and yeah, yeah. It's like gritty and ugly and organic. And there's like a weird. I have a weird soft spot for artists who kind of go out of their way to make things a little bit uglier. Mm-hmm. Um, but this song in particular really fascinates me because. It, I, I cannot fathom someone who is not primarily a drummer programming this groove. Mm-hmm. It's so out there and weird and creative, both sonically but also in like the note placement. And uh, I did a few years ago see them play this live with Alon Rubin on drums, mm. who is an absolute monster. Goes without I, saying. Yep, agreed. But of all the insane songs, you know, there's like drum solos and perfect drug. But this this was the one song that just was like unbelievable to see live. Just playing on pads is unreal. It's so fascinating. This is like almost a loop, but not quite. There's a couple little like fill choices. Has 
Has he ever broken down how he programs drums? Does he type them in? Does he like play them on a... Like, I'm, I'm so fascinated. Same. And I have scoured the internet for all videos, Trent Reznor, and I haven't found anything like that. Uh, I I would be so curious to know. Because it has such like a... Like, it feels like someone played that. Mm-hmm. This is 2005, so like... Not a lot of DAWs had like really streamlined MIDI capabilities to make it super, you know. True. Just like weird sound interjections, reverse samples. Yeah, doom, doom, doom. Right. Weird modulation of the, you know. Yeah. Sweet distorted bass there. Such a sucker for a distorted bass. Yeah. That little kind of like pull back there. Oh, so good. Little weird phaser flange thing. (laughs) Yeah. I think he just he must just have so much fun just laboring over these weird sounds yeah i'm curious if he kind of is doing this in like he know when he's writing the drum part is he does he know the arrangement or is he just kind of like letting it play for i'm looking at the time of this song five minutes and 15 seconds yeah and then just writing the song on top of it kind of well i guess this part obviously has to be through composed right I think I think this is Dave Grohl on Shaker here, but uh, <laughs> iconic, iconic. No one's got Shaker technique like Dave Grohl does. <laughs> no, yeah. Don't even attempt to do Shaker like this, guys. This is yep. this is cream of the crop right here. That's so funny. He invites Dave Grohl in the studio, like, "Hey, dude, um, so this song I want you to play on. Sweet, what's up? <laughs> yeah, I just want to put Shaker on just like the last third of the song with no accents." That's fine, right? <laughs> Maybe that's him playing tambourine too. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> God. Maybe is this, is that a real bass drum? Do you think? Maybe. Could be. Yeah. This this album is like particularly like garage rocky. So there's there's a little bit more organic drum sounds on this album than than usual for Nine Chains. Was this one of their their most, I guess, commercially successful albums? Yeah, this okay. one had had like uh, this one had "Hand That Feeds," which was a huge radio single. Yeah, um, this was kind of like their comeback album, I think, after uh, Trent went to rehab. So, oh, okay, he came out and he was like sober and super jacked, and then I, put this album out, and everyone was like, "This is amazing!" Um, wow. So this was shamefully. My my first Nine Inch Nails album that I listened to, uh, and I say shamefully because like their first three four records are re- are generally regarded as like their best records, and I now would agree with that. But um, uh, but yeah, I mean, 
like again sort of the same trajectory as like a perfect circle is that this became sort of like accessible weird music it still has like a lot of the the sort of proggy nerdy elements that i always generally look for in music but Mm -hmm. uh but again it was it was more accessible and and interesting and man just i'm so curious about his process like i would love to know if if he intentionally sought after some of these sounds or if he knew what the groove sounded like in his head before he like programmed it or if he just sits at a drum machine and just like making stuff up until he finds something cool maybe it's Um, all the above you know yeah yeah but to go back to your sentiment or your sentiment about saying um i'm not sure the word you use but you basically like i regret that this is the first album i I got into that i think some some uh fans of bands get mad when a band like makes their commercial more poppy hit because like no but then but then sometimes that's what gets people like you into the into the band and then they go back and then and then they become the same uh uh, fan that you are which is they like Mm -hmm. the older record so it's like if 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 the band puts out a cheesy not cheesy i won't say this is cheesy but an album that you're like oh god they sold out quote unquote it's like Mm -hmm maybe that will get more people into the band, you know? So it's yeah. always look for the positive, I guess, in that stuff. Totally. Totally. Yeah. And the, the concept of selling out to me is such a, it's such a not real thing. I think, you know, it, it's, it's about making something that's exciting for you. And I think artists sometimes get excited by things that are more commercial. And I uh, agree. And I, th- I think this album is like a perfect example where it's, it's certainly not as like scary as, their earlier stuff but it's just it it really is like it's the same level of creativity the same level of intention behind weird wild sounds um but there's just a little bit more real drums <laughs> mm-hmm. going back to selling out have you ever heard or watched uh the band the darkness justin hawkins has a uh a youtube channel where he just di- dissects music he's it's such no. a good youtube channel it's called Justin Hawkins Rides Again, and it's a uh, it's a really good YouTube channel. Probably the one that I listen to or watch the most. And he was I'm gonna butcher or butcher this quote, but he was basically saying the only time it's selling out is if you start to make music that you want to change the world with, and then you end up changing your music to suit the world. That's the only time a real artist that sells out if you're really not doing it for yourself yeah. anymore. Um, I like that's a great way to put it. Yeah, well, I can't take any credit for it. Justin's the man, so he that pontificates rules. on a lot of things, and he is very opinionated. But to be honest, kind of similarly with you and your your uh, your saucy Monday questions, um, <laughs> I agree with almost everything he says. So I'm like, oh, okay, I like this guy. I'm gonna call it Saucy Mondays from now on. I like that. That's <laughs> well, that is uh, the, that that's your top five. So um, I do want to give you the platform to talk about what the hell you're up to and and get people to you know if they want to come check you out yeah yeah so um i'm obviously all over social media instagram uh at eric s urea um i actually i think the day this comes out uh my band marina city will have just released a new single called youth so hell yeah check that out um I should be well. I will be on tour this summer with a couple different projects. Um, I know I have some Canada East Coast shows with this hardcore band called La Armada. Oh uh, yeah! 
And then hopefully I'll be doing some West Coast dates. So we got to hang. You better, dude. Yeah. <laughs> and then you can find all that info on my Instagram. So Eric S. Urea. Okay. Urea. That's right. um, and again, I'll link all the show notes stuff. But um, all right, dude. Well, so good to have you on. And I hope you have a great day. And I'll talk to you soon. All right. Thank you for having me. And that's the show. If you're listening on a platform that allows ratings and reviews, do that. It helps more people find the show, so it'll get bigger and better, and hopefully I'll have a chance to sell out one day. But you'll be an OG listener that can brag to all your friends. Anyways, why don't you go and check us out at BigFatSnareDrum.com and follow us on all the socials. Just search for Big Fat Snare Drum and you will find us. The show is edited in part using Isotope RX Audio Editor. It's amazing, so go check that out at Isotope.com. And thanks again to Gunnar Olsen for the theme music. Bye. Hell yeah, dude. I think that was great. That was fun. Yeah. That, yeah I mean, I'm not going to release it at all. That was, you know, okay, but yeah, I, yeah. yeah, that was Goes total shit. The, the trash bin. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Thanks, bud. Um, <laughs>